Hello, this is uh, Perfectly Normal Island, a podcast about the most cursed place in Europe, the UK. I'm Charlie. I'm Jack. I was going to say I'm Jack there, but I'm not Jack, you're Jack. Mm-hmm. Um, and today we're talking about landlords, and in particular the divine right of landlords, for they, they are our lords, they are our kings. They worked hard to inherit what they own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they, they have rights over all of us, where we live, where we sleep, mm-hmm. where we die from black mould infection in our lungs. <laughs> From like buildings just fucking collapsing on you. <laughs> yeah, that's also true, yeah. And then your family being billed. <laughs> yeah, from like, you know, a wall collapsing because like, they've put too much garbage in the back garden <laughs> and it's just collapsed on you and you're trying to have a nice barbecue. And the landlord shows up at your like grieving family, at your funeral, and they're like, so um, I'm going to need someone to cover the rest of the rent. <laughs> uh, there's three months left on the contract. Yeah. And, uh, that is the future. Um, so what what I what I've been doing is uh, going into a landlord kind of uh, social media, <laughs> uh, landlord today website comments. They're very interesting. Um, so I thought we'd just read out a few to see, you know, see what landlords are angry about. What's what's you know what they're suffering with. Um, no, last time it's a, it's the fun bit of the show at the start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny, but it's also extremely depressing. So off we go. How many more people can fit onto the anti-landlord bandwagon? I think it's a very recent bandwagon. It is a recent bandwagon. There's only recently been even like an actual tenants union, so. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what we've got next, we've got poor little snowflake, a university degree and no chance of buying a property. Take a step back and look at yourself. Then you might just work out why you're a failure before it's too late. But at 30, I expect it is too late. I was on my second house renovation by then with my first child on the way. <laughs> <laughs> I like this one. I'm almost 30 and I keep finding new things that like I, I that like explain my various failures. So like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, I don't have a child. Or <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, um, I don't think it's a 30 to anything significant. Yeah. But this guy's also, <laughs> this, this person's also like take a step back and reassess your life but you've already failed so fuck you yeah, yeah. they're not even like make a change it's not like make a change it's just like you're doomed yeah, and I hate you. you abandon all hope you know they want us in abjects you know objection yeah well, this so is, I've got another one this um, is a scorcher so <laughs> the main difference then is that we took responsibility for our own futures live within our means Often saving a partner's salary in full, plus a bit of our own towards our deposit. No fancy cars, holidays, cost a lot coffees, etc. My own children bought their first properties in their very early 20s, letting the bedrooms out to friends and using the lounge as a bed sit. Within 10 years, they had also built up over £1 million property portfolios, with only my contributions being setting an example in demonstrating hard work and financial common sense. Every generation has challenges, but no generation has complained so loudly or so unjustly as the current woke snowflakes. This guy's got a point. <laughs> like, these people are fucking babies. When I was seven, when I was seven, I'd already built up a multi-property portfolio yeah. around the country. I was already my 13th property. I had a net worth of over £20 million. You know, I was renting up mansions. And then by the time I was 15, I, I just merged. I just kind of evolved out of like a, a weird, like slimy egg into a private equity firm mm. and I've been a private equity firm ever since <laughs> what just you and your own <laughs> just me I mean legally they're One a person in law yeah. so I don't have any issues you know? and that's the thing you're not really here you're just a concept it's just like, just like a, the concept of a corporation born out of an egg yeah um, I think the my only contributions in that in that section was doing a lot of work I think and I wonder like how much my only contributions cost you know yeah also, like, these people, like, yeah, if you bought a house in the fucking 70s, 
they were cheaper then as proportional wages. So you didn't have to like, in real prices, it's still gone up. So even when people are, oh, interest rates yeah. are lower, deposits are lower, whatever's changed. It's like, yeah, but it's still more money. It's like if you, yeah, and if you lived in the right place, you could sell your house for like two, three, more, more times for what you bought than yeah. what you got it for. So, Or yeah. even if you had right to buy, you know. Mm. And yeah, and yeah, they were they, when the right to buy happened, they were flung their properties at like absolutely fucking mm-hmm. stupid prices, way below what they were yeah. worth. Um, and then it's the same board being like, oh, these people, these snowflakes, they took the handout. It's like you got a fucking handout. You're given a house. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. Oh, here's a really good one. Without us, the economy would collapse. But another collapse imminent anyway. Spare a thought for job losses and the millions coming off furlough. I love this one because it's just like, who do you think pays your rent? Like, you're like, you're like, oh, spare a thought for the job, millions of job losses. Yeah, these are the people who have been paying you rent money. <laughs> like, if there's another collapse coming, surely, like, you should be concerned about that as well. Like, I don't think it, I just, it's incoherent. Yeah. It's, it's just completely incoherent. And it's like a fake symphony, um, sympathy, because they're like, we're more important. But, you know, some sympathy for the job losses, but we are the most important thing in the world. And without us, yeah. society would collapse. You know that bit in The Simpsons when uh, the lawyer, the really shit lawyer, is like, can you imagine a world without lawyers? And they're all like <laughs> singing and dancing like in a circle. <laughs> I do remember that bit. No, this is, yeah. this is like, <laughs> I do remember that bit. This is what this guy is imagining. He's like, can you imagine a world without landlords? And I was like, oh, having a really nice time. And he's he's like, a lawyer as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay, next one. Um, it, may, it may seem like a potentially reasonable option in theory, but every time control of a market is attempted, it fails. Have you never seen the butterfly effect? <laughs> and I was like, I, I, I looked up this film, and it's just like a sort of supernatural thriller about like trying to change the past through like flashbacks in which you time, tra- travel back in time. Which, like, yeah, okay, unintended consequences, but like market regulation has worked in the past. It does work. It also like lots of places do it. Even capitalists regulate markets. Yeah. And if you're like, if your understanding of the economy is based on like a sci-fi film of where people can time, <laughs> can time travel, I don't, I don't think you should be allowed to buy anything. <laughs> it's like he's gone from, he's gone from the butterfly effect to the survival of the fittest. Somehow it's the yeah. biggest jump in history. And like, yeah. I don't know, this is the person who deserves to live in a car. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if you think, if you're basing like your worldview on a sci-fi film. Deserves to live in a car. That's, I wouldn't want anyone to live in a car, man. Oh, what if it's um, what if it's a really big car though? You know, it will be a fancy ass car. It looks like a big Range Rover. You've seen the butterfly effect. Yeah. Car's fancy. <laughs> it's got like it rents out like five properties and lives in a car. Yeah, oh, here's, here's a good one. I'm afraid, no matter the intention, history has shown that government initiatives and schemes have increased the prices of houses. Just... <laughs> slow car. <laughs> so any government initiative at all has increased the price of houses. And we're like, yes, good for you. <laughs> and also, like, it's, like, it's speculation and, like, incre- like uh, a decrease in supply and people, like... Like, is he, is he actually saying that, like, if, if... Is he actually saying that the government shouldn't intervene, shouldn't increase the price of houses, therefore the property values will go down and he will be able to charge lower rent? Is that what... That's not... Is that what he's saying? He's a good guy. He's, he's a, good, a secret good guy. He's a secret... He's, like, undercover boss oh, for landlords. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'll go undercover. Strangely twisted brain there. Um, also, just, yeah, it makes no fucking sense. Oh, oh my God. I, now we're going into, like, the, the really, like, entitled freak zone <laughs> where it's actually, like, these people These people want people to die. 
<laughs> they're like, how will I supplement my pension? <laughs> I need several tenants to be sacrificed. <laughs> if you don't own the property, it's not yours to set the rules. The clue is in our title, landlord. If you obey the rules, we'll get along just fine. Otherwise, it's a good buy from us. My property, but with my money. Simple. But <laughs> <laughs> right. It's so menacing. It's it like is so fucking like threatening. And the capitalization of Lord keeps yeah. capitalizing Lord. But like, <laughs> this is like a, this is like people, it's like satire become reality. Yeah. I think I'm the Lord of the land. Like, mate, you're the Lord of like a fucking, like a bedsit <laughs> in a student area of some like, yeah. Yeah. Odd. Date really strange. So next one. Any of them in the future who defaulted during the pandemic will receive no help whatsoever from me. Their default is their fault, not mine. They must pay their debts. Yeah, this is just like the same guy yeah. as the previous comment, most likely. Maybe he's got multiple accounts, or maybe it's actually, there's probably just several people like this. No, I think there's more than one. Yeah, there's more than one. I, I think, I mean, that, that one for me is like, yeah, so that guy's like clearly in favour of bringing back debtors, debtors' prisons. You know, I think that's where we're going. Fucking bring back workhouses. Bring back workhouses, yeah. For the, for the yeah. That's how we could solve it. Pay your debts, go to prison, you know. Just die. It'll become become a crime. They'll they'll criminalise it. Mm. He'll have like drones hovering around at every every, uh, buy-to-let house he has and the second Mm. anyone defaults he just flattens it. (laughs) I'll be in jail when I'm like 50 for not paying my student debt or something. (laughs) I'm I'm going to prison if I... If you go to prison for student debt I'm fucked. The worst thing is about this it's just like oh it's my fault not mine. Like he he, this person is saying that um, they're always entitled to income from their property, no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. It's a thing of, like, any other investment, people go like, oh, you know what, I lost his money in the stock market. Like, like, oh, it's well, unlucky, yeah. it's shit, or I messed up. But with, with property people... Or they, take the, the, or they take the company to course, and they're mm. like, you've done something really shit there. Yeah. Which is like, okay, fine. Yeah, but this is like, one, it's not a bit of extra money for you. It's like, someone's, where someone is living, and working, and like, having, like, yeah, building a life, and they're just like, nope. You fall back on anything and I'm going to fucking kill you. Basically. Short turn. Uh, oh, fuck. <laughs> this is the good right, one. Right, so to, the context the, for this one, that, like, I can't remember one. It was a couple of years ago. Um, in Berlin, they had issues with rents and they put a rent cap on, on like, I think it was on rent control departments. I can't remember mm. the context, but it was, it was quite a convoluted system, especially in the west of Germany where there wasn't rent caps. But they tried something anyway. Um... And this guy, this guy's talking like in reference to those rent caps. He said, or this person, they must have been watching what's happening in the UK. We've had all our rights removed and transferred to the tenant. Same difference. We only think we own them, run and maintain them 24-7 for government while putting ourselves at risk and constantly under threat with legal action. Does this guy that, does this person know that like no fault um, evictions exist? (laughs) But like he can just fucking throw people out. Yeah. Like that's, it's really odd. Like, I I wonder how many people on here actually aren't landlords but want to be a landlord and they post comments oh, pretending to be landlords. They're aspirational landlords. They're aspirational landlords. Yeah, they're yeah. like, oh, I need to, I need to. Yeah. It's like prefiguration for landlords. Some and of them are, yeah, yeah. I feel like they're like, I need to act like a landlord, then I'll become a landlord. <laughs> Manif- <You know? laughs> manifesting it, yeah. They're, man- they're manifesting, yeah, landlords. They had like a shitty buy to let terrace houses on like their vision board. And they're like, <laughs> <laughs> they wake up every day and looking, they're like, I will become a landlord. Um, oh my god, yeah. Because surely... I like, I like the implication <laughs> that they run them, maintain them 24-7 for the government. Like, 
I think these people genuinely have come from the feudal system where like the lord like managed the land for the king and it like they they only had their title because of like the good wish of the king and the mm. king could like remove their title at any time. And like I think I think these people have come straight from feudal era. <laughs> Unless this person thinks that there is no private tenancies in the UK and everyone is a benefit claimant. Because <laughs> that's what that would infer. Yeah, it's yeah. like they all do it for for government. Mm. Um the concept for illegal action. The fucking number of people I've known who've had to put up, um, and personally, like, awful shit in rental houses and nothing ever happens. Um, and if it does, it's way too late and then you can't take it to court or, like... Mm. Yeah, fantasy world. So, um, that's enough of those comments because my brain is starting to just fucking turn into mush. <laughs> I'm starting... I've read so many landlord comments, but I'm starting to believe it. <laughs> I'm prefiguring as a landlord. Um... So, what I thought we'd do is just look look over look over some figures. Uh, uh, what landlords are so angry about? Because um, clearly, you know, they're very pissed off and they're they're dealing with a lot. Um, so, after accounting for inflation, the average house price um, has doubled in the last forty five years. So, even aside from everything else, the, the the final price of a house that you'll have to pay is twice what it was in the last twenty years. The uh, wage rate has not. It's not increasing inflation either. Yeah, so it's, it's flatlining. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's just a big number. And I've, I've done this in a really uh, convoluted way because I'm shit at um, structuring things. Um, it's because you were spending too much time reading landlord comments. It's I know. Like, it's supposed to be structuring the podcast. And it just turned my brain into liquid. <laughs> I couldn't uh, structure things anymore. Um, so there's been alongside a doubling of the amount of people renting from private landlords. Um, so in the last 30 years, uh, the amount of people renting from public landlords, so housing, housing association, well, certain housing associations and councils, um, has fallen from 30% to 9%, um, which is, yeah, so the, the private, private landlords have basically replaced the, um, what was previously run by councils. Um, and that's been alongside a doubling in prices. So there's just been this crazy pressure, um, and uh, this has also been alongside like a consolidation of uh, the kind of not like a series of monopolies forming and, and kind of a, the idea of like mom, uh, like mum and dad landlords, you know, like a neighbour renting your house are uh, less and less and less um, a reality, and that um, yeah, it's got it's gotten more and more monopolised over time. Um, yeah, so the percentage of landlords with just one property has dropped from seventy eight percent. This is only two thousand and ten. Um, to 45% in 2018 um, and then at the same time there was an increase in landlords with five or more properties from 5% to 17% uh, which accounts for 48% to just under half um, of tenancies so half of all tenancies are by landlords with five or more properties which is massive yeah it's absolutely massive um, and then, so it's like consolidation yeah, and this is alongside a trend of, of it's quite a recent development, and I think it was far more advanced than like the US, uh, where private equity firms are buying up uh, housing associations and obviously running them for profit. The recent example was um, Blackstone. Um, I can't remember how, how many, but it was the, yeah, they basically were buying out a uh, housing association which are meant to be run not for profit. This is like a private equity firm, and the whole aim is to make money. Um, and adding to the uh, so. I mentioned the 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 uh, kind of actual price of the house doubling. 
of houses doubling. Um, the annual, annual wage to house price ratio, which is based on the median wage, has gone, gone from uh, 3.55 to 7.69 between 1997 and 2020. So even if you were to avoid all those lattes um, uh, in real terms, you, you'd still need far more money to actually purchase a house in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, like interest rates are extremely low now, but you still need more money overall to have a chance of buying anything. And if you already own property... That's going to favour you because you already have the capital there yeah. to sell and like buy and reinvest. That capital has just increased value without you really doing anything to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's also a massive, absolutely massive discrepancy in in who, in terms of income, who is a landlord and who who owns their own houses and who um, who rent. So uh, housing costs are twelve percent of average household incomes for those with mortgages, uh, whereas renters pay three times as much, or thirty six percent. So you could be working just as hard as a homeowner. But that extra twenty four percent, yeah, where's where's that going? That twenty four percent when you have to pay so much more. Obviously, that will be there'll be an income discrepancy where people on lower incomes tend to be renting. But even then, that's a massive, massive difference. Um, yeah. Yeah. So even even like poor people are still having to scrape together the money to pay the landlords more and more money yeah, yeah and the money's still going to the landlords and they're you know not mm. doing anything necessarily to get yeah. that money and alongside like downward pressure on wages um yeah and when you look at like landlord views i think the survey was from three years ago um there's 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 a massive kind of there's some very insa- unsavory kind of views um, I think they've been directly fostered by the government of being like, oh, you know, there's no, there's no more public housing. You rent off a private landlord, mm. but if you're not the person they want, then you're fucked. Basically, they don't want you there. Um, so they said, fifty-two percent of landlords and thirty-seven percent of agencies reported they would be unwilling to let to tenants in receipt of housing benefit. So, <laughs> which is fucking awful. Um, yeah. Similar proportions reported they'd be unwilling to let to anyone on universal credit, forty-seven and thirty-three percent respectively. Um, and a quarter, this is really fucked. A quarter of landlords and 10% of agents are unwilling to let to non UK passport holders. It's just small. And then. Little written mentalities. Yeah. 18% of landlords and 6% of agency, agencies are unwilling to let to families. Um, and they're the most often kind of justification for this with their unsuitable families and also because of the greater, greater risk of damage to the property. But when, when you have a system that's like, oh, no, you need to go to private landlords, there's no more, you know. Still, more actual public housing, but you get money from the government think, to go live in I there. Like, where the fuck are you going to go? I think within this, especially, there's, like, there's, there's a story about like different sort of kinds of families as well. So, mm. landlords will say that, but like, what they mean is, I won't land, I won't let to a single mom with a young child, or, yeah. like, or like a teenage child. Yeah, you know, I won't let to like a dad living with a, two children or something. You know, I won't because I think it's that kind of like that kind of snobbery about those kind of like you know they call them like broken families. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they're actually some, I mean, they, they are perfectly viable families and perfectly good and loving families, but, like, there's a lot of, like, stigma attached to yeah. them. Yeah. Still, and, like, and I think this is just that, that kind of mentality coming back in and it's not, Yeah, it's really not. And, not and polls have shown that people are, like, people are obsessed about that kind of thing. I mean, mm. They're far more, they're far more um, skewed towards a negative yeah. view, but if you look at, like, the, 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 the amount of, actual, I can't remember the figures are, but the amount of actual, like, single-parent families... Yeah. And then what people think, it's like they think there's three times as many as they are. Yeah. It's the same with, with uh, like unemployed people. People estimate there's four times as many, whatever it is, yeah. as there actually is. And people have this like completely skewed 
sense of reality. But the thing of them being like, oh, we're not going to rent to non-UK passport holders. We're not going to rent to families. We're not going to rent to people on housing benefit or universal yeah. credit. But then you get this fucking thing being repeated, being like, we uphold society without a society would collapse. Yeah. Like, if you're, if like a big chunk of you is excluding a massive part of the population, <laughs> yeah. like, and you're like essentially dictating the living conditions of millions of people, and it's like increasingly monopolised force, like what, what the fuck is that? That's horrific. That's not like... Well, they only want to help the respectable people. Yeah. <laughs> they only want the respectable people. Who work hard and soon enough they'll buy their own yeah, house and, and move out. Yeah, nuclear family. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the final statistic, 46% of landlords became a landlord because they preferred property to other investments. I think it's probably because it's fucking easy. <laughs> um, and also, yeah. I, even now, it's, it's been shown that like the risk is lower because it, during the COVID pandemic, they were like, yeah, we'll just cover your mortgages. Mm. Renters like, got told to, oh, go negotiate with your landlord. Yeah. And, and, and fucking um, owners were just, yeah, had so much more assistance. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to jump back to the other bit because, uh, yeah. Because um, you've structured the document weirdly. Like a dickhead. Um <laughs> No, I've read that bit. Where are we? Right, so it's not really... Obviously, we focus on residential landlords a bit because that's what most people and people I know have had to go through and they relate to. But it's kind of a, a wider issue. It's not just like a terraced house in some city in the UK. Um, there's, a, there's a big question of how land is owned. And in this country, it's particularly skewed. Not along a, not along a feudal system, but it's got this, this kind of hangover from hundreds of years ago that dictates loads of what happens today. Um, so now, uh, since 1995, um, land values have risen by 412%, making land uh, worth just over half of the UK's net worth. Um, just land, nothing else. Um, and when you look at the, uh, the control of land on a wider scale, uh, it reflects extreme inequality um, and architecture, which has been expanded and reinforced over centuries in, in favour of hereditary owners like aristocrats and corporations. Um, with half of England being owned by 1% of the population, which is about 25,000 people. Um, I want, that doesn't add up. 25%, 1% of the population, 25,000 people. There's like 67 million people in the UK. Let's not get into this now. Let's not get into this. Let's okay, into but it's 1%. I don't know about 25,000. It might be right. economically active people. They're classing in that. Uh, maybe. I think that's probably what they're doing. Okay, they're but anyway, numbers. 1% of the actual population... Um, and within that, so 30% uh, is owned by um, aristocracy and gentry, so people who inherit titles, inherit land. 18% by corporations. 17% um, by oligarchs and city bankers. 17% is just unaccounted. Just no one knows. <laughs> like, who are they? We don't know. 8.5% um, of the public sector. Only 5% by homeowners. Um, and then 1.4% by the crown and royal families. Um which I thought was quite interesting, actually, because I always thought it was more than that, the royal family. But obviously, there's a massive structure of yeah. um, kind of the aristocracy, and it's like several hundred families who have these huge estates and stuff, yeah. and properties all over. Um, and also, as aristocracies keep these properties for centuries, they haven't been sold openly, and therefore they're exempt from appearing on land registries. Yeah, because you don't have like a land census. Yeah, so. if they're not being sold, there's no track of them. Yeah. Um, but this is kind of the context that, that like, landlord landlordism as a... Um, operate in um, where massive inequalities are allowed to be maintained for centuries um, on some divine right that's made up um, and you always hear them complaining about having a hard time um, when generally for very little work you're increasing your wealth and income at someone else's expense you know it's like yeah 
Someone's just giving you money. <laughs> That's it. Um, so yeah. going back to the aristocrats, many of these landlords receive, receive farm subsidies, um, even though, you know, they might have millions and millions in cash floating around. Um, and uh, commonly use loopholes and tax avoidance schemes to further lower costs. Um, it's just like an upward, like a disgusting upward spiral of wealth. Mm. Um, so, for example, 4 million acres are owned by 24 non-royal dukes, uh, 17 of which received 8.4 million uh, in farming subsidies. Uh, this is two years ago. Um, yeah, which is madness. Um, and in addition to all those other previously mentioned figures, um, so half a million, nearly half a million acres in England and Wales are owned by offshore companies, which is bigger than Greater London. Um, and on those, there's no stamp duty inheritance, inheritance tax because of, you know, because yeah. you know, loopholes. Um, so yeah, it makes it seem that it's actually pretty fucking easy to, if you inherit something, just accumulate more. Um, uh, there was, yeah, there was, there was an interesting arc by George Monbiot. Um, like we're, not, we're not even talking about whether redistribution we, we is a good thing. We're just saying that, like, having things in this society means you get, you get more things. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to do anything. Where, yeah. Wherever you are in society. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, George Monbiot's case was that, basically, if you if you own a lot of land and property, you're effectively being subsidised by the public to, main, like, maintain and increase it. Um, and he made the example that council tax is proportionally more uh, for the poor than the rich. Um, capital gains tax is lower than income tax. Agricultural land is used as a tax shelter, uh, allowing 250 rich families to avoid over 200 million in tax in 2015-2016. Mm. Um, and when you look at like the recent pandemic and like generally like a lot of people have taken a big hit, but a lot of people haven't been affected by that. Um, notably, the property magnate brothers uh, Di- David and Simon Rubin. David. David. Oh, black <laughs> um, uh, yeah, they were listed as Britain's second wealthiest um, uh, billionaires. They counted together for some weird reason with a combined fortune of 21.5 billion. So they haven't been affected. Their money's from property and they're just fucking fine increasing their money. And also they're regular donors, donors, donors. I can't fucking speak <laughs> They're also regular donors to the Tory party, which is funny. Um, it's as if their donations made them recession-proofed. Mm. Um, and there was also a recent news article that was doing the rounds um, that millions have become millionaires in the UK during the pandemic. Um, and researchers looking into it said wealth creation was completely detached from the economic woes of pandemic and just driven by um, Wait, no, house m- prices. Millions increases. have become millionaires? Yeah. Millions of people? Millions of people, yeah. Okay. That's insane. Because, yeah, if your house was worth £850,000. It's quite an arbitrary number, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so nothing's been created nothing's been achieved like there's no there's no societal benefit from that it's just numbers have like conjured been like conjured into existence it does start to seem a bit like like and that's the sort of thing where you start to think oh now we're in economic crash territory yeah and there's a bubble there's a massive bubble yeah Yeah. um sorry Jack you've barely got a word in Edward so far (laughs) I'm just I'm just going to wrap up with like a more a more recent like personal take on this um, so I'm currently living in the Southwest. I, I've heard numerous, this is obviously anecdotal, um, but there's numerous stories going around of people being moved out of their homes um, over the summer um, because landlords have realised they can make far more renting out their properties as holiday homes, which is further compounding the, the uh, it's further compounded by the large number of people buying homes in the Southwest. Um, and it, it, they, these like repeated examples just show that it's not really about providing a service. It's just about like maximising how much money you can make. Um, 
Got to do it somehow. Yeah, there, there was there was another uh, interesting piece recently about the hostile housing system, which is another example of this, just profit maximisation. Uh, the hostile housing system basically in the UK is designed to house vulnerable, vulnerable people or those at risk of homelessness. Um, but it's a weird privatised system where like people set up companies that are given money by the government to house these people and then they pay yeah. landlords and there's all these contractors and subcontractors. It was originally meant to be like emergency, so if you were like... If the council have nowhere to put you, they'd like put you up in a B and B overnight because mm. they've got a statutory duty to keep people safe, yeah. you know. But like obviously now it's just become like standard practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so now uh, it was this year the ten biggest independent providers uh, will collect 184 million from the government, which is an average of more than 11,600 uh, pounds for each of the 16,000 bed spaces they supply, which is about works out just under I think 970 pounds a month per room. Um, and they're exempt from regular regulations on rental properties, which mean which normally you wouldn't be able to claim that money uh, for, to that to that level. It would normally be two hundred and two hundred fifty pounds a month. Mm. So it's just a fucking gold mine. If you go into that as a landlord, you'd be like, well, why would I? Why would I provide um, other housing when I can go into yeah. like this and make four times the money? Um, why would I do something useful with my money? Why yeah, I just do this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's just about making more money, like profit maximisation. Um, and this is also despite these ten providers, seven out of ten of them were either non-compliant or under investigation by the government's social housing watchdog uh, for breaching governance of financial standards designed to prevent public money from being misused and protect tenants from harm. And only two providers are exiting, exiting the market um, following regulatory action. So there's like are breaking loads of laws, making people's lives a living hell. And just continue to operate. Um, yeah, it's 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 just a, like a like a really good example, or really horrific example, um, where public money, instead of being used to fulfil societal needs, is given in huge amounts to the private sector. Um, basically, because the government is full of landlords who are obsessed with a shitty, incoherent ideology that allows them to keep lying in their pockets um, at zero risk themselves, um, and all the risk is offloaded onto tenants who, you know. They have the privilege of subsisting in a shit house, so someone else can sit on their ass. Basically, mm. hard work. It's all about hard work. Yeah, I think the, the housing, like the housing benefit example, and the like um, example of like about the uh, emergency accommodation situation is really interesting because um, if you look at like other countries, it's like it's just, it's also like really um, like obviously present and like part of like the neoliberal economic model mm. and like and it, and it, it kind of links like further back as well so like um in ireland they've got a system where like they will take um a relatively like high number of like refugees and asylum seekers for their like for the size of their overall population yeah but um they essentially use public money to pay hotels to put asylum seekers up like asylum seekers and refugees up so rather than um you know asylum seekers and refugees being able to go out to the community find work you know, pay taxes, etc. They're sort of like stuck in this sort of sort of semi imprisonment where the government is paying pri- pri- private providers mm-hmm. for, for this sort of for this sort of care in a way. And it links back to like a longer tradition, in, especially in Irish history, where kind of like problematic populations are kind of restricted and used as like free labour and money making opportunities. So again, with like like the Magdalene laundries in a way, you know, um, women of like you know loose morals or you know sing- single mothers again would be like sort of locked up and sort of worked for free. Yeah, and at a profit. Yeah, yeah. at a profit. And it's, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there were also like parallels in the UK with like private childcare mm. and like um, 
sort of church-run facilities. Well, I guess workhouse would have been similar. Yeah, but, but I mean, the, we look like closer to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More recently than that, I'm sure there's similar things that go on that kind of have been like talked about under the lens of like you know child abuse or like you know abuse of women rather than in this particular lens. But mm-hmm. um, I think it just basically means it's kind of you know from the sort of government's point of view, it's like well we you know we're not interested in really solving this problem or accommodating these people, but they also these people can't remain part of like the visible public. So yeah. we've got to like house and isolate them as much as possible from like and isolate it from the rest of you know the rest of society. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I think like there's a there, we'll, we'll see more and more of this happen where like the, the low paid and like people and tenants will increasingly sort of see this happen to them, and it will happen around like the discourse of like um, the family and the family unit. So you know people on benefits who are on housing benefits um, or who are on the margins already at risk of homelessness will kind of see it increasingly more happen to them. I don't think it's going to happen to like well-off professionals and people. Mm. But I think, you know, people who are already on margins will see themselves like in this kind of like double exploitation. Yeah. It's like, a, it's like, track, a, yeah. You know? I remember reading with the, with the um, Magdalene laundries where like, yeah, the women, if they left, they'd just be arrested and sent back. It's just, there's no way out of it. Yeah. It's like that. Um, yeah. Horrible kind of spiral. Yeah. And I am, um, I was just going to pick up on a few things before and, and I'll sort of like, I'm going to go into my own section. Um, afterwards but like I kind of find it really interesting that when reading about the sort of property market and what's happening in the property market at the moment um, a lot of these big private equity firms are like sort of framing entering the property market as landlords rather than like um, uh, owners or operating things they're sort of seeing it as a, as a more surefire way to get return on their investment for like these like for these sort of large entities mm. so that's it yeah so rather so the, you know the private equity firms and the banks instead of like going in as like mortgage lenders, which is the kind of the cause of the last financial crash. Yeah. They're going in as, 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 lend, as, as rented, sorry, landlords. Mm. Um, so it's, it's really interesting. It's kind of like it, it's still like the mortgages. It does depend on people's ability to pay the, the rent, but there's no real like assessment criteria for taking out rent on somewhere. The landlord can just accept you. Yeah. You know? So people, if people's wages change, you know, or keep stagnating, it's kind of it's, it's difficult to predict and it's difficult to sort of say how the market's going to sort of sort of change you know but the, the growth sort of growth you're talking about like I said before it's hard to hard to see it just continuing forever mm. when it's not really based on I mean what, what is it based on why is it these sort of markets it's like well why does land keep increasing in value because there's like continued interest in it yeah well like, there's there's been like several arguments and a lot of people say I can I think kind of a more like, surely land is only worth what someone's willing to pay for it. Like it's not. It's like a, it's a it's a, it's a commodity in that sense. It's it's become so commodified. It's yeah. literally only worth what people can pay for it. Like, and if you're pushing people into debt to pay for housing because the prices have been jacked up, because people can pay for it, where does that cycle end? You know, I, I, yeah. I well, it all ends in a crash. Like, yeah, it's a bubble, isn't it? Yeah, it seems like a like, sort of overinflated market to me. I don't know. But it's interesting that all these private equity people are involved in it, all these big financial entities, because, you know, capital creates the conditions for the next crisis by responding to the last one. Yeah. So I think the next one will involve a many more, like, landlords and... A bit more mortgages. complex, I think. Probably. Yeah. yeah. A bit more prolonged, I think. Yeah. Um, so like I say, I, I'm, I'm not saying this out of nowhere. Like, I, I think, like... I'm not being sort of like, you know, the man standing on the hill with a 
you know, just shouting about with a sandwich board on saying the world is ending. But like, you know, I think there might be a property market crash like on the way. And I've been saying this for the last couple of years, but and it hasn't happened yet. But you know, because you know, property market pundits, newspapers are kind of adamant that it won't happen. But then maybe they've got a vested interest in it. I don't know. Um, and it has happened multiple times. It has happened and before. Those who said it's not going to crash, not going yeah. to crash, not going to crash, crash, and then, and then it, crashes. it crashes. And it's like, oh, who, and, who could have foretold? And it's you know? like, <laughs> who could say? Who could know? Like you know, ten tens of times. Right. So like, um, I mean, there's no risk of like an unemployment crisis happening at the moment, which is kind of what might what is the biggest trigger. Usually, yeah. people lose, lose people lose their jobs, and everyone realizes the house prices are too high. Mm. Um, but at the moment, there's like actually a labour shortage. Loads of sectors of of work like really like in high demand for workers so like hospitality needs workers yeah. uh, transport especially in the UK um, there's agriculture needs work workers much more than it's got now there's no risk of like the employment being an issue really because lots of you know the industry need, need still needs people but there is a bit of a moment that there's kind of a risk that inflation might trigger a housing market crash and this could kind of emerge from like the labour market crisis like down the road so at the moment, ladies are like I would say, pretty low compared to these other kind of costs. You know, they're, they're historically low. Mm. Um, they've been they've not risen for quite a long time. And if labour availability stays low, um, some people have said that like one response that will happen eventually is if they if they're kind of persistently low. You know, people still don't take some of the jobs. Yeah. Um, employers will respond by raising wages. That's happening in the US. It's a, yeah, it's happening in the US in some places. Because yeah. I think they've had this for like longer than we have. Yeah, in fact, it's the thing of fast food places, people quitting exactly. en masse because it's yeah. fucking shit and then them offering yeah. way higher wages all of a sudden. We have seen in some places in the UK restaurant industry people quitting and mm. that's where the sort of most acute shortage of workers is actually. Yeah. So, yeah, you can kind of see maybe like, you know, if this does keep going on, um, in, some have said employers will respond by waging raises, like that they'll kind of have to to get people to come in. Like um, th- that might in turn trigger a rising inflation because usually when people ra- raise the um, raise wages in a company, that company will then put its prices up. Yeah, to match. Yeah, just just to sort of make it make the books match up. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure if that is necessarily like a, like a sort of set in stone relationship but like you can kind of see how that it's might a theory work. it's like all economics it's a theory not yeah. fact isn't you can, it you can kind of see that that might happen yeah right so it's, if maybe that works um so that, that that might be what sort of triggers the eventual housing crisis if it, mm. if, it, if it ever comes if the government ever allow it to happen you know yeah which is the whole kind of point of like they, they actually really want to keep it going but like i kind of wanted to like think about the other side of like um other side of this because i think like the the kind of lifestyles and spending that have been enabled by this, um, you know, boom in landlordism, um, if it ever did like go bust, it would absolutely cripple the UK economy because you know the UK economy is mostly based on consumption and sort of services and things, mm-hmm. and the landlords must res- must represent some of the higher levels of consumption that we see like in society. They they, they must. Yeah. Like the, well, yeah, because you know, it's, it's it's it is always a. You tend to own property if you're on a higher income, like, yeah, like, generally speaking. Be, they must be spending that, that, that extra money that they're getting on something. Like, yeah. they're, they're not just hoarding it. Like yeah. They are spending it on something as well, and that is going in particular parts of the economy. So here goes the very sort of personal anecdote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to make a wider point with. Um, I was walking the dog recently in the moment. We were having this chat with a guy who just was walking the dog at the same time as us, and he lives on the other side of the road. He's got this massive dog, like a like a big shaggy wolfhound type thing, and he can barely control it. He's sort of like, like like struggling along with it, you know. He sort of pull, pulls him along, and he has to like 
hold it against his hip to like stop the dog from like getting too far away from him because <laughs> he can't like pull it back in. Yeah. You know. So mom asked him some inane question about where they've been because the car had been missing off their drive for a while and I guess that's just what you notice when you know you live opposite someone. Locked out and you see everyone. You just see what's going on, you know, you know, see see what the hell to. So he started telling us about how he'd been away um, you know, doing up a property that he'd recently bought in Devon and he was like renovating it to use as a holiday home. Um <laughs> while he was telling us this, like it was funny because he was kind of boasting about it, but also was like not convinced about it. And he seemed to sort of imply that it was like his his, his partner's idea. Well, it's like when you go to like a girlfriend's idea and you buy a bag of crisps and you're like, oh, I'm not saving this thing. <laughs> I might fucking throw yeah, them in the bin. Yeah, the house that he had just bought. You know? But he said, he, he said he never, they said basically they'd never actually make it down there and kind of said like, you know, you've said in a couple of years um, or that he might try an Airbnb a little bit. And it struck me as he thought that he's like, obviously like, you know, to buy a house and not plan to use it, like you've obviously done some sort of cost benefit analysis and been like, well, if I spend all this money, like I'm definitely going to get all that money back and so. Yeah. Because of like, you know, renovating it and whatever. And I was thinking, like, you know, in the current market, yeah, that, make, that makes that makes complete sense. You know, yeah, well, you would, that makes logical mm-hmm. economic sense. Why would you do it otherwise? You know, I don't know what he does for work, but it's something like semi-creative and professional. And his wife manages a care home business, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got two SUVs. And the house is like big and detached, and it's got like clearly got spare rooms. I can see a room at the front of the house. He's got. Like, full of craft equipment, like sewing stuff. Mm. And you can, you know, you can see that from the street. I'm not like making it up. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to look into the telescope through the windows. Can you see the custom plates on the street? On no, the they don't, they're not, they're not, <laughs> they're not that tacky. That's the thing. They're not that tacky. <laughs> and like, I'm assuming the house is probably worth like, well in excess of like 300 grand because it's, it's bigger than our, our house by a fair bit. And, like yeah. it almost fills the front bit of like the plot. So yeah. it's like side to side house, you know? Um, and obviously the dog must have cost him a big chunk of money. <laughs> But like they told us at one point that they had this guy also said at a different time that he had to essentially buy another car because <laughs> the dog was too big for the old car and they needed to be able to put the dog in like any either of their cars. So does he like does he like tow one car behind the other and the dog just takes no, 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 all no. the seats <laughs> and they've removed the seats. No, 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 and no. And the no, dog's no. like crammed it's in with his face up against well, the glass. Well, the dog is that big, it's not that big. They just had to get another, they had to get another Land Rover because they didn't want to have to be like in a situation where they had to fit the dog in a too small car to drive it to the vet or something. I think that's kind of what they were thinking. But what kind of log- logic is it to buy another car because your dog is too big? <laughs> Some insane logic, right? And these guys have clearly got insane spending power. Yeah, you know they're not. They don't live with their kids. They don't live like you know, they've got no big expenditures. Yeah. Clearly. Um. And obviously, the mortgage is fine. And their dog probably is a lot of food, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, the dog's been to the vet's loads as well because it's overbred to shit. So. Anyway, but I kind of think like you know, obviously, all that money's obviously flowing in good directions, and I think like it's probably political critical for the gov to kind of maintain the kind of economy that allows people like them to keep living in a sort of floating bubble. Yeah. You know, to sort of like allow to do things like this. Um, but it was kind of like the, the kind of like sideways ease and kind of sort of enthusiasm in the way he brought it up, like really struck me because he was so keen for us to know that he was doing it, you know, so keen that to know that like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm like renovating a house and yeah, obviously you're going to be, you're going to be think that's cool and like, you know, what, a, you know, what a great guy you are having a house you've renovated in, in Devon. And it kind of like takes you in, you listen, you nod, you go, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Definitely. I'd do the same thing if I was in that situation because you do when you're in a conversation with yeah. someone you're just like oh yeah right yeah and then when you sort of finish talking there's a breaking conversation you're like oh this is the face of the people who are driving the hu- driving the housing crisis <laughs> like this is why nobody can afford to buy a house though a huge lump sum of money from their parents yeah like this is this is what's doing it 
And this is like the result of it. So I think like the, the modern day like landowner professional class is like characterized by like this kind of like mundane, like intimate natural cruelty. Like there's no there's no reason for them to think about what the, the effect of what they do on others. The idea that someone else might need something is that the that they buy you know is like a no brainer investment for mm. them. The question is is just what to do with their money. Ethics is like nowhere near the conversation. You know, we, we culturally like lionise property ownership to a surreal degree and it's treated by loads of people as like the ticket out of like worries about housing and poverty. Yeah. You're like, oh, once I've you know, bought my house, I've made it in life, I'm sorted. Yeah, yeah. It's like, no, you've you're got still paying fucking... your mortgage, you yeah. don't fuck. You're in like, debt, you've just agreed to take loads of debt. There's like jokes about people make about paying the mortgage, like, you don't listen to them. Like, nobody likes paying their mortgage. It doesn't help anything. Yeah. I mean, apart from, you know, you can't be evicted. Even well, you can. still can, you know. If your house is repossessed. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, ownership is like this kind of ultimate remedy for, like, the anxieties about homelessness and dispossession that I think everyone in, like, capitalist society shares. Mm. And this is, I think, what lets get people get in. This is what, how it gets hooked in people's brains. I think it's what, this is what starts it off. It's like the worry is, like, there in everyone about yeah. being, like, kicked out of that, the house. And then everyone's like, oh, now from there I have to be, like, I have to, like, own my own house. I have to be, I have to, I have to own the land. I have to be a landlord. Yeah. And so that's the end, and then like obviously all the property shows on TV and renovation shows do the rest of the damage and that kind of like discourse and chat. Yeah. Does it, you know? It's not conspiracy, it's just like that kind of TVs and, you know, media production is really easy to make and it's not controversial. It just reinforces the same things that people think. It's just we've gone to like this absurd far degree level with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I also got to mention like honorable, honorable mention. Dick Strawbridge. <laughs> the, is he, oh no, I always think of him as like a cut. He's like, his mates would call him like the Colonel or something. <laughs> yeah. He's got those vibes. <laughs> it's the ex army, ex army engineer officer and his wife who like bought and renovated an old French chateau. It seems to have sparked like a weird craze among people who don't know what the fuck to do with their money. And they're just like all moving to France, buying chateaus, <laughs> renovating them over years. And they're just, you know, getting television, television deals like, out, yeah. out up the wazoo and the best thing is they go to like a, a local like French bakery and then just point at something and go French <laughs> stick I want a French stick I don't speak Francais <laughs> yeah it's just like these people have a, a sheer determination to like waste their wealth and have clearly just have no principles or consideration for the places they, they moved to or want to do things in mm. you have to sort of ask like, is it the effect of the wealth that does it I, I, I'm going to argue in the rest of this in the last 10 minutes that that is actually yeah. what's happening. So basically, like, yeah, I am saying this because I've also benefited from property wealth myself, but I've also suffered from its effects. <laughs> the double bind, I've, yeah. I think I've seen both both things in, the last, in a way, in a, in a sense. Like, I've got a lump sum in my savings account. I've got a couple of grand mm. that my nan gave me from some inheritance in advance. And that money let me sort of finish my PhD after having run out of funding for like yeah. a year and a bit. Um. So, you know, but my mum, a couple of years ago, won a neg- medical negligence case and got enough to buy a small house in most cases. It's about £180,000. Um, and that's, that's, that was enough at the time to buy a small house in most places in the country a while ago, like outright. And um, I was still at university at the time and it was coming up to a roundabout where, you know, thinking, well, I was starting to think about where I was going to live the next year. Yeah. After, you know, the, the sort of bizarre nine months and then you move contracts was up in Cardiff. Um, 
And I was sort of saying that, you know, why don't you buy a property in Cardiff nearby and I'll live, live in it and manage it. Um, you know, I can live rent-free there or low rent to you. And then like, um, you know, I can, and then all the other people can like, mean that it's like a decent investment for you and your money. You sort yeah. of haven't lost the money. It's like, it's, it's, it's in the property. It's in the bricks and mortar, as they say. And like, you know, you'll, you'll get something back from it, you know, more than you would in a savings account at least. Yeah. Um, and I, and they didn't go for it because like my parents, I think, are, are not essentially basically nice people and they stressed themselves out over like the maintenance issues right I think they know that they didn't, they didn't want to do it in a way which would make them feel bad if something went wrong and they couldn't fix it straight away yeah so they were like we're not going to do it um, they've both got health issues well one of them's got health issues and it's it's just like you know they, they didn't really want the work the extra the, you know the work of like just maintaining the property yeah and like having to travel down to Cardiff to do it as well so I was like fine okay it's probably the sensible decision and probably the... I wish more people would fall on that, to be honest. But, like, you know, I, I suggested that to them, thinking, you know... It, essentially, what I was saying is that, like, um, it would give me a nice place to live, but, you know, essentially, I'm taking advantage of that wealth as if it's my, my right to. Yeah. And, like, my right to, like, all these... You know, the three or the four other, like, suckers who would be paying rent to my parents' yeah. money. They're effectively paying your rent. And so, yeah, effectively, yeah. they're paying my rent. And, like, make, and they, what they're doing is, is, is engineering a situation which is, like convenient for me but like obviously kind of extractive from other yeah, people yeah it's exploitative isn't it yeah we just forcing a situation I would benefit from just so they can live somewhere that's that's the kind of way that it, it way that it goes mm. but like as I said, I said I've been on the other side of this as well um, but Charlie knows his story but I'll kind of repeat it like you know during most of the most of my uh, PhD <clears throat> I lived in one place and it was this big ramshackle house owned by like an old couple and their son lived in the house doing basic DIY. And he sort of gave it a sort of general hippie laid back feeling. He sort of selected people to move in who he kind of got on with. Um, and he like converted the garage outbuilding into like a mini house for himself. And it was all fine. It was a really genuinely lovely place to live for a couple of years. Um, but it always got a bit tense when people moved in or out of the house or were about to. Because he didn't want to like disrupt the flow of rent money to his parents. And during a row about this actually, before I ended up moving out... So like he kind of revealed that our, our rent money paid for his dad's dementia care and that the property was like an investment the family made after losing um, most of their money in the financial crash. And he kind of used this specifically as like a lever in this argument to try and get us to listen to him about why we should like let the person he chose move in more quickly than like someone we'd rather would have living with us. Yeah. So like, you know, and I, and I kind of like just, just kept going. I kept living. I didn't really think about this much more. It was like annoying. Occasionally we'd mention it in the house, but you know, you just kind of get on with things. But then when the pandemic and lockdown struck, I was not in the house. I was still paying, paid rent money to, to him, to them, yeah. for like um, three, about three months. And all my stuff was still there. And there's a house, because someone else in the house also was unemployed at the time. So she, she you know, she was working in hospitality and yeah. that obviously completely stopped. But she also had enough to furlough. She'd just like been fired. Um, so as a house, we sort of said like, look, there's some people in the house are going to struggle to pay rent. There's a mortgage holiday. Um, can you give us a reduction to like half rent? And like, I think Circa actually asked for just like three quarters of rent. Mm. And I asked for half rent just because I was just essentially just storing my stuff there until yeah. it was like time for me to move back. So I wasn't sure whether I was going to move back or not. I, you know, everything was up in the air back in March 2020. And he came back with a really shitty offer. He said, you can pay two-thirds of the usual amount, but then you have to pay the difference of like what you haven't paid back when the mortgage holiday ends. 
And basically, the, the reason he gave for this, why he was so shitty, was because the money's already been spoken for in terms of, like, they've essentially already spent the money. That right. They, so that the money that they, like, knew they would have coming in, they'd spent on care in advance for his dad. So, like... That's fiscal responsibility. <laughs> yeah, real responsibility, you know. Look yeah. after your own, right, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not bitter. <laughs> not bitter at all. It's anyway. like when you're like... I served notice and got the fuck out of there. I just, I was like, no, I'm not dealing with this. I couldn't speak to the guy when he came to try and say hello to me on the day. Like, um, yeah, no, I just got out. And like the person who was unemployed had to move back to Ireland. So, yeah, I was just like, I don't have no, I don't have no income to pay this rent anyway. So goodbye. Yeah. And I, yeah, ended up still living at my parents a year later. So, like, you know, it didn't matter that we were good friends for, like, years. It didn't matter that, like, I'd sat and listened to him talk about, like, he's struggling with grief and sort of sense of betrayal over the way his dad has been treating him since he's had dementia. Like, we were affected by, like, his and his family's income. And if we didn't want to be, they'd, like, just find someone else who could take our places, and that was actually more important to them. Um, You know, the, the kind of... It's like this, like, intimate cruelty. Like, mm. it's like you know you're paying for someone else who's, like, a family care, lifestyle, whatever. And even if that you think that's like an important thing, which you know it was, someone to have like a certain level of care, like they'll still put you through the ringer for it. Yeah. You know. Like they'll give someone a place to live, be their friends, form attachments to them, make them welcome as long as they've paid up. It's like I don't that's why I don't buy the bullshit about like mom mom and pops landlords who like live on the rental income and live with the tenants. The whole thing's fucking like unethical and sordid. Yeah. And, and I think that, how can you look at people like that in the face yeah and the thing about like them like the example you gave of them using the money to pay for dementia care it's like why if you've worked your whole life why are you paying for dementia like no one's yeah. paying for dementia care and it turns people like, it turns people who are like not wealthy but have some like some money into exploiting people yeah. with less money than them yeah it's, 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 it's like it's kind of when you live with them as well it turns into like a false intimacy yeah it's like he's entitled because of this social arrangement that we have to our income hmm. because he's a, what they're doing what they've done effectively like holding the house in hostage yeah from, from everyone else like I don't know I just, it's, that, it's that I'm your friend but I'm also your manager so get the fuck back to the, work fuck, yeah. yeah it's like yeah like you know the fact that like they lost money in the housing crash in, sorry in the um, financial crash the financial crash 2008 and then it was like and he sort of used that in the argument it was like you know, because we've lost all this money... We shouldn't have to lose it again. We shouldn't have to lose all this money again. We can't lose any more money. Like, you haven't done anything for that money. Like, not you personally. Yeah. Maybe your dad earned it. You know, your mum earned it, like, back then. But, like... You know, what the fuck does that have to do with, like, our living situation? Yeah. It's well, really why should it have to do anything to do with our living situation? Yeah. And I think the really the really uh, good and depressing note to end this on is that... <laughs> I, I, personally, like, I don't know what what there is that can be done about it. Because, like, in other countries, like, oh, you can go, you know, there is some form of public housing or there's housing cooperatives or something. In the UK, there's just fucking nothing. This just isn't there. And there's well, I don't people think there's anything you can do about, like, um, the, the forms of ownership that we have. No. But, like, I think the best thing to do is, like, join in, like, tenants' unions. Yeah. Because they do exist now. Yeah. It's not it, just one. And it's there small, it's small fights, but it's all those small ads fights. build up. It will add up over time. Yeah. You've got to start somewhere. Mm. Um they're already sticking it to like the tenants, the um, the agencies in Cardiff. Yeah, they're really dodgy agencies. Yeah, they're yeah. really sticking it to them, and that's like how you start because you build like build like moral standards back into the sort of system. Yeah, and from there you can start to like make the bigger arguments. Yeah, bigger demands. 
And I know they've been doing a lot in Bristol as well. There's um, mm-hmm. what's it called Acorn. Acorn. Yeah, um, Acorn's doing good work. So they're all over now as well. They've got branches all over the country. They've been quite, it's kind of been like simmering in yeah. the background and it's coming to a boil. But yeah, I think in, in my view, that's the most kind of realistic thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, because other things like, you know, the Tories are never going to bring in like fucking land value tax. The Tories, <laughs> the Tories never gonna be like, no. oh, you know, actually, no, we're gonna we're gonna do land land redistribution. Like they're never gonna do that. No, I mean, it's just questionable with the Labour would as well because a lot of their yeah. MPs are like landlords as well. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Especially, yeah. especially in Wales, a lot of the like the Welsh Assembly members are landlords. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Obviously, the, the Tories are like the worst, <laughs> but like all the other parties have mm-hmm. vested interest in it as well, um, and where they get money from and. Yeah, and I think that I I doubt that the old model of how council housing used to be run in the UK will come back like pre neoliberalism, like pre eighties onwards years. I think that the thing was as well. Good remember result. The only reason they built so many houses is because like vaster numbers of them had been like destroyed during yeah. the war, and they were rebuilding areas that were like were becoming slums. Mm. So it was like, well, we need to just rebuild quickly. Yeah. Otherwise, like hundreds of thousands of people are literally going to have like. Nowhere to put them. Like, yeah, and now it's been it's been a kind of a gradual decay. Yeah, and and people get used to it more and more. And and yeah, and they they fucking watch these stupid um, uh, TV shows or like move to the country or whatever and think, oh yeah, I'll just buy loads of property and sell it. And uh, yeah, it's like eternal deferment of wishes, isn't it? It's like <laughs> it's like oh, in, in ten years' time, I'll have like a a property. You know, I'll have my own house. And then in 10 more years' time, I'll be renting out that property to someone else and I'll be living in a bigger house. Yeah. And then in 10 years' time, I'll sell all of them and move to France and build a chateau. And I'll be at the top of the pyramid. Yeah. And it's like, and I kind of like, I don't know, sometimes you sort of like, you know, you feel bad because you live with your parents and you're kind of stuck there. But then you realise that life isn't a game where, like, the the person with the most at the end wins. And you're like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I can just do what I want. (laughs) But yeah, listen to our podcast. Um, yeah, um, I forgot what our Twitter handle is. We do have a Twitter that I barely ever used. Um, I'm so actually... professional. <laughs> uh, just look up, yeah, Perfectly Normal Island uh, podcast. Because um, after all, it is, we do live on, in the best country in the world. There's nothing wrong with it. It's very good. It's all great. Good Everything's and cool. fine. Everything's completely fine. Um, we're all okay. No yeah. one's unhappy. No one is paying 60% of their income to live in, yeah. like... A uh, crumbling static home at the end of a field illegally <laughs> being served council eviction notes as well. And it's like an offshore firm somewhere that <laughs> doesn't exist. Right. Cool. Right. Take See care you. of yourselves. I will speak soon. Yeah. Bye. Bye.